Hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Keep listening. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that when ordering steak always goes for medium rare my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode the deja vu goes even deeper as we road trip down south and try to survive 2003's the texas chainsaw massacre and if you're following a Leonard Skinner tribute band across the road, you should definitely be listening to our show. And you can do that by searching for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe. And when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your hole. I was really wondering how long <laughs> it would not, take. Not long. To not get long. to the first of no doubt many of the uh, throughout this film. <laughs> and if you would like to yell at Genius online and follow us uh, on other things on social media, uh, you can definitely follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, and of course on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And is it indeed on the Book of Face where we do have an events tab? The Book of Leatherface. Oh, damn it. That is so good. So good. <laughs> and it leads to what there, Genius? Leatherface shenanigans and cyber Leatherface shenanigans. Please do not look up cyber Leatherface, leatherface shenanigans. shenanigans. No. I, is... I don't know if that, I don't know if I just like willed that into the world. Like Whatever it is, you just put us on a special list. Yeah, I think I just pony pooled us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> but as this episode is releasing on Friday, July 17th, on that very day, at Screenland Armor, and in fact, the entire weekend, much like the entire summer here, we've got your genre needs totally met. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be launching the second fright of our Friday Night Fright film series, mm-hmm. which kicked off last week. With, with with swallowing your soul. It was great. Having fun down in the fruit cellar. Come to Henrietta. And our second fright, we're asking a simple question. Do you like scary movies? And I hope the answer is yes, mm-hmm. because we are going to be celebrating yes. the Wes Craven classic. Yeah, the the meta masterpiece. The, and again, this is a film that is defi- a defining film in the third generation of what... That's what Wes Craven did. And still pretty scary. 1996's Scream. Ah. So freaking good, so freaking good. But that is, again, the tip of the iceberg oh, in yeah. relation to what uh, Screenland has. Uh, a screening of the original... 1954, not the one with Ferris Bueller, but the original, Godzilla. Mm. Dun, 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 dun. I want that or the Imperial Death March to play when I walk into a room. Can you imagine if you just walk into a room, bump, 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 and just like, <laughs> that'd be odd. Or, or have like, not Godzilla, but have the little two twins from Mothra. Genius eye, genius eye. Just like, that'd be dope. I would have, I would have also accepted uh, the Blue Oyster Cult's version of Godzilla, yeah. <laughs> but actually I will totally go for the summoning of Mothra. Right, I think that wins every single time. Uh, but then we're also going to be having potentially a very special screening, mm-hmm. uh, regardless if the special thing happens or not. Please come out and experience the film that blew my mind the first time I saw it at Screenland, uh-huh. where our episode shows our love of this film. Whether you bring a sandwich Which in or not, not, we're going to make you some sandwiches. Come check out Mandy. Yes. Come for the Mandy. Stay for the Cheddar Goblin. And if you are not prepared to stay indoors, which I understand, but let me just tell you this, Screenland has been top notch. Yeah. Mask, gloves, cleaning, tr- keeping everything as safe and clean as possible. And it, yeah, you will definitely feel safe until the movie starts because with Mandy, <laughs> really, I mean, if you've only seen it at home, you need to see it on the Big screen theater one because and, and you're gonna when you need to, we're gonna crank that movie as yeah, well. Yeah, we are. We're gonna ask. Do you like the Carpenters? <laughs> oh, you're gonna see a lot on the big screen. <laughs> and speaking of big screen, again on the outdoors that weekend, it is all about action. Mm-hmm. 
And one that we actually, I remember saw for the first time at Screenland as well. We hosted that premiere screening, uh, Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. That movie is wild. I can't wait to see that again because it is a lot of fun. It's a music, it's it's an hour and a half music video. It's great. If you want to see someone just doing an amazing edit of music and action chaos and yeah. violence, it's so good. It's would, so good. Would you classify that as a musical? Because I would. I would, you know what? If you want to say musical adjacent, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Because there's no, no, there's no singing and dancing, but there's, there's dancing. There's a lot of rhythm going on mm-hmm. in there. No, mm-hmm. I will, I will listen to the argument and I'll go, yeah, that guy's a nerd. Yeah. But my kind of nerd. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what's been great is we've been uh, this last weekend had a chance to host a screening of one of my favorite films from 1987. And if you look in that year of 1987, for the genre world, there are some of the greats out there. You've got RoboCop. Uh-huh. You've got Lethal Weapon. Yeah. You also have Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. And Did you have the time of your life, Craig? I, no one kept me in a corner, genius. <laughs> Nobody keeps me in We were actually, I was set to actually host a screening uh, at Screenland before the pandemic hit and closed everything down. In the before time. In the before time. But here in the after time, my friend, in the outdoors, so again, if you're not ready to go indoor, in the outdoor screening. Yeah. This we're staying in the year of 1987. Dirty Dancing one was wonderful. Got to share it with everyone. Everyone is out there was crazy for Swayze. And if you're outside, you can get up and dance, and you're fine. You, you know what? We actually called it Dirty Dancing was very prescient because we talked about the dance space in the movie. Oh yeah, that's the social social distancing. distance social distance dancing. Well, you know what? You don't get a lot of social dis- distancing though. Was another film from 1987, which was again a banner year in genre. But this particular screening is definitely goes out to our good friend Mount Baldy, yes. Dustin. You're this one's for you, my friend. Uh, Predator. <laughs> you know, Dustin's gonna have to be eight feet socially distanced because he's gonna talk. He's gonna quote under his breath. Hopefully, yeah, he does it under his breath. But people don't believe it. I say he knows that movie every single word verbatim. The very first commentary track we ever recorded for either Nerds or Nightmare was Predator for Nerds and Nostalgia. Mm-hmm. In my backyard with Dustin. It was a great screen. And I, at certain points, I would just look at him and like, quote, and just, he would immediately know where we were yeah. at. It was amazing. It was, it, I don't want to say I was abusing his uh, his knowledge, his but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I know he watched that movie at least once a week. And we and again, as always, we do have some special uh, pre-programming, the pre-show, the oh, trailers. Yeah. Shenanigans and fun times abound. So, And speaking of outdoor shenanigans mm-hmm. and giving us something to look forward to, the Kansas City Horror Club, I do believe. Oh, yes. October 17th. Um, we are going to have our drive-in movie night. No more details can be said at the moment because we're still working on it. But it's probably going to be a double feature, and it's probably going to be seasonal. Excellent, excellent. And it's going to be a seasonal theme. And I know people have been talking because they're saying, "Hey, can you at least give us an idea, at least a date?" And there we go. And yeah, we have a date now. We, uh, to be a hundred percent transparency, we don't know what's going on. I mean, you you live out in the world, yep. you know oh, what's going know. on. We know. So I'm trying to keep it vague as possible, but at the same time, I want to make sure that October seventeenth. We will have the drive-in, and it's going to be a blast. And again, things change day by day. We totally understand that. But as things go day by day, we need something to look forward to. It's good to have something on the calendar. You know, it's good to have something on the calendar now. And... I like to think with Screenland at this point, uh, go to screenland.com for the indoors, uh, go to their Facebook page for the outdoor screenings. Mm-hmm. But if you're still not comfortable indoor or outdoor, we got you. We still got you. Uh, go to, and you know what? Just go to um, uh, patreon.com slash Screenland mm-hmm. to be part of their film family because on Saturday, for, uh, Saturday uh, July 18th, Mm-hmm. We have our latest Shutter Shoutout. Our squiddly diddly double feature. <laughs> I can't wait. First of all, this is going to be, and I've seen that. I mean, I've never seen this movie because it's brand new. It's brand new. It's for brand you. new. And it just, it came out and it was on the uh, on the festival circuit and it just hit Shutter this month. And I had a chance, actually, speaking of the weird festival circuit and the weird times we live in, yeah. uh, the latest Chattanooga Film Festival was virtual. And I attended, in quotes, and I saw this film through that. And it's totally lives into the squiddly diddly theme excellent it is a slow burn uh-huh but i don't mind slow burns as I, long as there's a payoff I, I i actually enjoyed it i had a good time but a film that we saw at a film festival that's not a slow burn no not at all <laughs> that's not a slow burn and and not subtle at all no no it, it but it will leave you 
confused. Maybe complex. But it's a wonderful, practical effect driven little horror film. If John Carpenter decided to make a Hellraiser movie, he would make The Void. I had a great time with it. I cannot wait to revisit it. Now, we are going to be streaming that through Shudder. Mm-hmm. Now, if you do not have Shudder, I know there are a plethora There's of tons. ways. You can use shut-in code. You can use the Etheria code. There's tons of codes out there. Now, that is the, that is the basic way to see it. Now, there is a way, actually, is if that... To get the Nightmare Junkhead, the home version? Yes, the home game. Because what we provide, actually, is a customized 30-minute pre-show, mm-hmm. a customized, very customized introduction to the films. Uh-huh. Just like how we would host in the at the main screenings. And then afterwards, we get a little discussion with us, too, about the movies. You can tell us if we're right on or if we're full of shit or all that great stuff. And if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, you, again, all you have to do is join the Screenland Film Family again over at patreon.com slash Screenland and that is just the tip of the tier. Mm-hmm. There are so many other rewards that go into that. Lots of good stuff. A lot of good stuff but speaking of Patreon and Film Family. While you're down in Patreon once you become a belly. We are now in the third month of our exclusive Patreon content. Mm-hmm. In fact, during this week on Monday, we released our, our letter that we had, our summer letter, yeah. that we wrote from Camp Arawak. <laughs> Tell your mom her cookies suck. <laughs> but like, <laughs> Simpsons reference. A total but, Simpsons. But like, um, no, Camp Arawak. Just the other day, I was thinking it'd be great. I mean, I had a good time with that sleepaway camp commentary. It was a blast. It yeah, was a blast. Was. And if you would like to have access to that and a a number of other things that you can definitely uh, check off of your summertime reading and listening list, mm-hmm. cut over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. Be a belly. And one of those perks is our little shout out here. Now, uh, we've mentioned before, we do know... Personally, a number of people that are here in the film family, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Because then I can actually literally look at them and say, thank you so much and uh, keep you on the payroll here, apparently. <laughs> but it's even stranger, like I said, when we meet people that we're not aware of that are out in the wild. Out in the wild, yeah. And they listen to the show. That it's even crazier then when they transcend and become part of the film family here. Mm-hmm. And this, our next our pally here is definitely one of those individuals, uh, Carly Kaler. I know I have seen you out in the wild. And now when I say the wild now, this sounds so dystopian and post-apocalyptic. But that was back in, you know, in the theater, you know, uh-huh. at I I know Screenland potentially at the draft house. And I'm pretty sure I've said hello before because I know I follow uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um so again, those little kind of connections that are made ultimately that even though not direct is appreciated. Oh, yeah, the presen- absolutely. The presence is always felt. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, though, is the podcast uh, that Carly hosts. It is the Fact and Science Fiction Podcast. And I mention this because I, I listen uh, to a plethora a of pl- shows. A plethora. And a lot of the shows, I will straight up admit, are the ones that make me feel good, that make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Listen, we're all striving for escapism oh, yeah. in today's climate. Um but occasionally, there's those shows that inspire a little dread. And Carly, congratulations, because your episode on The Stand scared me so badly. Oh, yeah? Oh, my goodness. The podcast itself, I, I really love it because it's very well-researched, number one. Uh-huh. Number two, it has a lot of charm. And by charm, I love it when you can hear animals in the background. Because our show was built upon that. Yeah. Because you remember back in the oh, day yeah. when Kitty, Kitty was still Kitty this? used to come up all the time and like... like nah, 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 nah. You, you can still occasionally hear Lola in the background. Mm-hmm. You go to one of our Friday the 13th commentaries, Owen is in the background. Yeah. So when you add that in, I, my, I love that. It just instantly makes me love the show. But <laughs> she uh, did an episode on The Stand. Now, a st- The Stand is definitely, I can say, an, I've read that. I have read that. I have read that. It took me three and a half months to read that fucker. And that was reading like four chapters a night, right? It, <laughs> so I've read The Stand. I love The Stand. And I know enough of it. I've even, And I've seen that with The Stand miniseries. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, man. I saw that fucker when it came on like the day of like 
Thursday, 8 o'clock, Stephen King's The Stand. And I was like, fuck yeah. And then I, I vividly remember every time I hear Blue Oyster Cult, I just think of that opening scene of just the whole like city dying and everything. And like, in fact, in, when the corona first happened, like I heard, dun, 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 I'm like, either I need to cure or more cowbell because shit's about to go down. It definitely triggered a lot of people. Yeah. Well, you know what ultimately triggered me was Carly's reading of not only bits and pieces of the stand f- from the the novel itself, but the description of the flu. And oh, what Captain the f- Trips? Not even so much Captain Trips from the stand, but just the regular flu. The flu that exists in our world, here, oh. genius. Oh, the regular? Oh, shit. Okay. Exactly. The stuff that can happen to you as a 40-year-old male. Oh, no. Are we going to Cronenberg shit? I don't know. <laughs> But her the breakdown was so scary of just basic science. And again, I go back to the well-researched portion of the podcast, but I was so petrified of what could befall me. I was in my backyard. I was actually weed eating, and I was afraid I was going to breathe in something, mm-hmm. and it would be the end of me. I was like the happening. And this is all coming from basic scientific facts being read to me. So Carly, again, the, the episode itself in your episodes, I love the fact that you're going to the Afrofuturism um, spaces. The place is fantastic. It's wonderful. But man, that episode freaked me the F out. Man, it sounds like it's because it's even fucking scary when they're like side effects may include like anal bleeding, blah, 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 dysentery, eyes gouging out, teeth falling out. And you're like, fuck. And that's just the good side effects. Right. They, sometimes like the, 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 the cure outweighs the, the cost. Uh, but we, not with that. The, the human body is scary shit, man. Especially after watching The Fly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm very self-aware of that. And we, Me too. Like I'm like, Ugh, I don't even want to clip my nails now. I think the entirety of the remakes this month and pretty much until we do have something of a vaccine or a cure in sight the baggage is going to stay with every episode from here on out. You see what you did, Carly? Do you see what you did? <laughs> there are no strangers in the Alps here. And I'll even another uh, really good one was uh, episode on the thing. Uh-huh. So again, goes into science fiction and genre. Uh, really good. What I like are the bite-sized episodes as well. Uh-huh. So please check it out again. Th- that is the Fact and Science Fiction Podcast. So she's researched and she's like straight on topic. So oh, yeah, she's the good. opposite of us. Exactly. <laughs> opposite of me, I should say. If you if you need some order in your life, that right, will definitely do right. it. But no, Carly, thank you again for being a Patreon pally. You're fucking rad, pally. Absolutely. And again, if you would like us to wax your car or plug or promote anything that you are doing, uh, and again, great content, everything from the Squidly Diddly to another time. Another place. Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're third episode now into our little month of remakes i've been having a ball dude well and that's because we've we've carefully programmed movies that for the most part we either remember enjoying mm-hmm. or we'd love or one get. here at the end that we'll get one to here that's we the one i'm seen. Ex- yeah that's yeah. the one i'm interested about because yeah i saw another movie with the actor in it recently yes. yeah yeah he, he wears a mustache well, my friend. Yes, he... No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I begged it differ, but that's another podcast in and of itself. Yeah. But two episodes in at this point, uh, last week's episode, we looked at a, a camp classic mm-hmm. that was remade into pretty much a modern classic. Yeah. Uh, but we opened everything with a remake of a movie that is sacred ground mm-hmm. for many many again that go beyond and it transcends beyond horror into normie crowds a movie that actually is in the national film registry along with the one that we're talking about today because we are also treading going on a road trip into sacred ground mm-hmm. with the remake of this film sacred southern ground oh, very much sacred. created by southern cast mm-hmm. that's a southern film a film that plays well in the summertime. And it feels Southern because it feels hot and it feels gritty. It is dirty. It is gritty. The dirty South. It is the 1974 Tobey Hooper classic. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You're not quite John Larroquette, but you're close. Getting you're there, close. Getting there. Getting there. You're more Dan Fielding than the actual <laughs> Larroquette. More Dan, Dan Fielding. <laughs> You dishonor us, Dan Dan Fielding. <laughs> um, just if you go back to our back catalog, you, we, it's interesting. I think we've actually carefully curated a lot of the stuff because a lot of the films are in the very DNA of the show. Uh, 
we only devote a lot of the commentary tracks at this point now. They are technically exclusive to Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the see Sleepaway Camp, The Blob, and Return of the Living Dead. But mm-hmm. our back catalog, of course, is open and available. Oh, yeah. And one of those commentary tracks... Is the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre with... Very special guest and someone that this film has touched so many films, so many careers. Mm-hmm. It is Its influence is felt today. And who get, uh, set in on that commentary track? The Goth Gangster Princess. Absolutely. Jill Gavar-Gazeon set in on that. And not to say much like we did with James Karen with the waxing the car fest that was Return of the Living Dead, but it's, you know, to listen to her, how much it has affected her style, her career, her life, yeah. ultimately. I mean, like, just her everything about it. And she's so insightful about some of the things she says on the commentary and her love of the movie because it's not just like a passing love like she's done research and oh yeah she's she's, she's been there she yeah she's shown her work so absolutely, absolutely. so yeah so it was a very good commentary and this film like i said is important um not only in the horror world but also within like the independent film world itself mm-hmm. as a very successful independent film and as you mentioned another film that transcends the genres and has is built into normie culture. Oh yeah. So many people out there have never seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but they know of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They they know Leatherface. Right. They envision something similar to right. Leatherface. It's in the lexicon. It's even in the name. If with the name Texas, it's, it's like it's the it's not quite the pieces. It's the Smuckers. You know, with a name like Smuckers, it's got to be good. I mean, with a name like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's not going to be like a Merchant Ivory film. You know, it's not going to be like a rom-com with Renee Zellweger. That's it's, part four. Yeah, it's not a PSA at this point. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But uh, much like Night of the Living Dead, though, that came out in 68, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 74 was very much also a a a take on society at the mm-hmm. time. Is the changing of the culture from the hippie-esque to the more violent age that Vietnam was yeah. written all over this film. Yeah, exactly. Like... They go in innocent, fun-loving hippies, and they come out beaten, tortured souls if they come out. Yeah, if they survive the night. Yeah, both of the films are, I mean, dissertations have been earned based on the merits of these films. They are so important. Again, they go beyond horror and genre just to the consciousness of the world. They are world-renowned franchises, and that's the crazy thing. Night of the Living Dead has a franchise. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this little independent film made in 1974 that has freaked people out for generations, that has freaked people out that have never seen this film, has a huge franchise. Isn't the uh, daughter in One Cut of the Dead wearing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirt? She's wearing the Toby Hooper, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's incredible how this film has gone into the DNA of the popular consciousness. In fact, recently here... Sadly, Carl Reiner uh, recently passed away. Mm -hmm. And you know the first time I was ever aware of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I can only guess. About 1986. Chainsaw Dave. Absolutely. They saw me (laughs) at the movies. (laughs) When you can have two characters of a family-friendly teen film Mm -hmm. be obsessed with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. To bring out, actually in apply some of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre effects, not only in class, oh, like a PowerPoint presentation. They showed their work. But they, yeah, they showed their work later on. And the, like they wrote a very long, long essay on Rick Baker. Mm-hmm. It could have been, theoretically, that movie could have been hard R with that scene alone, because that is a gory, violently wonderful scene. It skirts the edge so lightly. But to see those kind of characters in that kind of film... I know for a lot of people, they're like, "Whoa, whoa! I'm I I love those movies. Like they, there's like that's kind of me up there." But here's the thing about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is interesting. While it is in the lexicon of popular culture, every half the people who know or who like I've seen that or know of it are wrong about it. One hundred percent. What did they say? It. The people that now again I, go back to the I've seen that is people saying, "Oh, it's so bloody and it's so gory and it's just nothing but schlock and and jump scares and I don't like that." There's not a there, there's a little bit of maybe two drops of blood. I saw maybe little splits. They're yeah. not splurts. They're splits. No, it's, it's not all, even a sploosh. All theater of the mind. It's all theater of the mind, and it's all like it's not even a splatter fest. It's not even a gore fest. It's Bo- just bottom, the madness that's scary. Bottom line, they haven't seen it. No, exactly. They, and that's the craziness. Of, but that's the re- this film back in the day before the internet 
had a reputation. Mm-hmm. And it is that very reputation, Genius McGee, that kept me away from this film till into the 2000. The year 2000! The year 2000! I thought you got out of that in March. <laughs> it kept me away from it. That VHS cover mocked me as a kid. I explored, I was able to explore the entire horror catalog at my local VHS uh, store because my cousin worked there. She let me rent whatever I wanted. And I explored the crazy stuff. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Taboo. Oh my goodness, the cover, it just haunted me. I couldn't even which look one, over. Which one was it? Was it the one where he's like got the girl on the meat hook and Nope, it's just no, that one was too real. It's just the one that's kind of hand drawn with him on the with him with the chainsaw. We'll look at it here eventually off. But it terrified me and I never viewed it. But through word of mouth, through the little various extras we got mm-hmm. in VHS tapes occasionally, I knew enough about it. That I, even as a kid on the playground, I could BS my way through a conversation. Oh, I've seen that, yeah. But I, I get, the fact that this film launched a franchise. Some people will argue the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 is better than the original. I'll listen to the I argument. Will, I will listen to that argument. because it's, to- it's totally different. It's Apples and Orange Julius. It's two different movies. And I'll even say it's a film that doesn't only unite horror fans, but unites horror couples. Uh, shout out to Atomic, Atomic Cotton, uh, Zach and Erica. Their first date. Yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Well, and I love how even Part 2 got into the lexicon because it's what makes Chucky go evil in the new one. Yes, it does. It's... I forgot that is the trigger, the trigger moment. That's so hysterical. Also gives us the great performance of Stretch by Caroline Williams. Mm -hmm. The second one is very iconic. Yeah. Now, everything from there, listen, I enjoy everyone's... If you dig it, you dig it, and good for you. If you don't, you don't. So are you saying you're not really a fan of anything 3 and beyond? No, I'm not. No, actually, I am. Actually, I really like... I like like, like them. Not all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, 3 was pretty good. Uh, 4, I kind of got lost in... Um, that's the with the one with the Vigo Morton, the new generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the one with Alexandria Dario. Uh, Dario. That's the that's the three D three D remake retcon of the sequel. Yeah, the, so it's, it's the weird. Time. It ignores everything. It has it has a Halloween yeah. a Halloween problem. Yeah. That's one yeah. thing with the Texas Chainsaw has the Halloween because too many people. There's been too many hands in the pie, and so this goes on in different directions. And is it a prequel to this one? Because there's one where like he Leatherface is fine i mean he's in nothing deformity at all and he just winds up and snaps and so but there's one where he's born bad and there's one so well that's after the first after the after the first three that's when it gets confusing well the fact that we are still seeing the after effects from this film this again this little independent film from 1974 we are still seeing films spawned from it mm-hmm. the it's, it's it, you can't escape the texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. whether you are a horror fan a normie and it took me a you long can't time. Can't escape Leatherface. You, no, he'll get you. He he does. He actually his cardio is is up there. I think there's a reason that he inspired uh, Leslie Vernon ultimately <laughs> yeah. on that side. But let's go to then ultimately the fact that it took them 29 years. Wow. To remake this, this is 2003. Yeah. So first of all, it checks off our timeless checkoff. Way beyond 15 years. But at the same time, I think why it took them so long is like. Who wants to try to remake the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Right? Because, like you said, like with Night of the Living Dead. But Night of the Living Dead is different because you had the original writer, the original director. You had the original, the the main guy goes, okay, I will walk with you every step of the way. This one, not so much. Well, are you saying, though, that if you have the um, some blessings of the original folks, that it could make it better? It could make it a lot better. Man, I don't know. I'd, if you looked at the IMDb and did, the did, producers... Did they have blessings? Well, I'm just not going to say that if you have you know, the fact that um, you do have uh, Kim Henkel and Toby Hooper as producers on this. Okay. And the most interesting oh, you know what i'm gonna get to that no but ultimately no we've got 29 years set up now the what is different between the original and our remake here so what is is there are there differences there's a lot of differences yes there i think that goes without saying correct differences yes this is it's two totally different movies two types of feels made for two different audiences definitely two different audiences um Okay, broad strokes. 
I, and we'll get it. We'll, we're going to hold on. Hold that okay. thought. Because then, so we've got some definite what. There is a, a lot different. Yeah. Now, but the why does this exist? And I think this is very interesting. This film was the starter film for a production company that for a lot of horror fans, it just produces just bile and venom. But we are talking Platinum, Platinum Dunes. Dunes, yeah. Michael Bay's mini-budget remake factory. Boom. All very succinct genius. And I think there's a, there's a name in there that has a stigma. And even Platinum Dunes definitely has a stigma attached to it. And mm-hmm. I'd like to discuss that initially because I think it's very interesting because I'm... I like Michael Bay as a filmmaker. I do, too. I think he's made some fine films. He's made some not fine films, but he's made some fine fucking films. I will go to bat for the original Bad Boys any day, my friend. Mm-hmm. I will right there with you. Uh, the Rock. Oh, yeah. The Rock is fucking fantastic. Pain and Gain. I've Very never seen good. Pain and Gain. It's well worth your time. But The Rock is a Criterion movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's fine cinema, my it, friend. It is totally fine cinema. So, like, I think Michael, I think Michael Bay, he has more hits than he has misses with me. But I think he gets a bad rap because it's like, well, because apparently he's just a foul human being on in real life. Sadly, yeah. But his true. But then movie wise, because yeah. like later on in his career. When he's just like, let me All make Transformers. Yeah, let's just make more explosions. Boom, 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 boom. But it's like explosions. More explosions doesn't mean better explosions. Sure. Like, like in The Rock. So when you hear Michael Bay, you do have a particular aesthetic in that your you're mind. Going for. Mm-hmm. So are you saying that anything that potentially is produced by Michael Bay is going to bring that that kind of aesthetic baggage with it? Well. Yes and no. Me because I know Platinum Dunes has its own aesthetic baggage as well. But again, we got to think in the nascent days when this is announced. Oh yeah, that it's oh a, Michael Bay is it, he is is Leatherface going to have like grenade launchers too? Okay, there we go. It was there were built in jokes immediately mm-hmm. because it was easy. And think back in this is two th- in the early two thousands. Oh yeah. So this is right when the internet was starting to become something a little bit more. You had more message boards. There was more communication going on. So when you hear that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is being remade, all of a sudden, there are more voices that you're going to be hearing about. Uh Uh-huh. Not my chainsaw. Yeah. (laughs) Well, do you remember? Did you you initially have any kind of reaction when you heard about it being remade? I was... Actually, honestly, did, I re- did you hear anything about it being remade? I heard about it being remade with it because they're like, you know, they're going to remake the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because, of course, I was on like Ain't It Cool and shit like that back in the day, right? <laughs> Which is an interesting tidbit going back we'll later on. That. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I heard like, well, I'm like, wow, that's. Mm. At first, when I heard Michael Bay's production company, I'm not going to lie. I was like, that's going to be durable, you know, because you're going to think it's going to be explosions and Leatherface and goofiness, you know, to touch something like Texas Chainsaw. It almost like that's kind of sacrilegious. Well, when you think of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you were to think aesthetic of mm-hmm. the original 1974, we've already said we said gritty, dirty, hot. hot. Yeah. <laughs> just not pleasant. No. Ultimately. Just a hot, sticky summer Texas day. Now, when you think Michael Bay aesthetic, what do you think? Explosions. Glossy. Very slick. Yes. The polar, tonal opposite of what you would get. So immediately, when you look closer in from Platinum Dooms into the Michael Bay, immediately people are like, no, no, no. Like yeah. you said, not my chainsaw. Now, the whole premise behind Platinum Dunes, and I, I actually like it. I think it's kind of cool. Like you said, it was kind of a starter. Let's give some first-timers uh, a chance with mm-hmm. some IPs that are recognizable to give them a chance, but to let them kind of put their voice into the film, Yeah, which actually is kind of cool. Now, what I love the fact that is this is a low-budget ultimately, yeah, which was, I think, about $9 million. Yeah, it's just low-budget, but it's still like $8 million more than a lot of people oh, have to make money. So much more than with. the original. Yeah. But you have so much stacked against you. From the get. It's kind of crazy. Now, again, nascent days of the... I was also on those uh, Ain't It Cool, Chud.com, JoeBlow.com, all of those, God help me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when the trailer hit for the remake. Do you do you remember that? I remember the... I remember the internet blowing up. And positive reactions to that, like people going, ooh, that looks legit scary. And it had a lot to do with the editing. Mm-hmm. 
just little cup cut shots of Jessica Biel reacting. Yeah. Um, and then just of the, the the chainsaw and everything. So there were a there was a lot going on, and I actually remember seeing it and really enjoying it, and then seeing again people reacting on the message boards because there was no Twitter or social media. And Jessica Biel was hot at the time. There, oh, that was. I mean, right, just right after seven, the, seventh heaven, seven eleven. She was just coming out of seventh eleven. That's now. Now Jessica Biel's coming out of seven eleven with Justin Timberlake. Snap, 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 snap. But uh, no, she was just coming off the seven eleven, and she wanted to shake her like good girl image. So let's make the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Why not? Why, Why not? not? Well, let's look into then. I saw this in the theater. Me too. I actually, going back to the our Midnight Show uh, episode, I did see this as a midnight screening back in 2003. I was living in Lawrence at the time, and the screening, I'll never forget this because there were four other people in it. I was I was in the very back, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned this on uh, our Texas Chainsaw Massacre commentary, but I this was the first kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. I had, I had seen the sequel up to that point, mm-hmm. but I had never seen the original. Really? So that the, the remake was kind of my entryway into the original. Hmm. Again, it still haunted me to that day. Into my 2000s, I was still a coward and couldn't confront... The specter of the Sawyer family. It huh? was very real. It was very real. And I remember being terrified... In that initial screening, mm-hmm. that midnight screening, and I remember being terrified driving home of the of the remake. Oh, of the remake! The remake terrified me. That midnight screening, that first time. Oh, I was, I was. It it hit me. Yeah, it was loud. Uh, it was it was brutal. It it reminded me of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, strangely, just because of all the brutality in it. Uh, I was, yeah, I I really enjoyed that made an impression on me mm-hmm. and then because of that though i was able to go to liberty video and they had it on vhs and i finally uh, confronted and eventually so it was because of the remake that i was able to get back to the original uh-huh. and it was and i my life has been better because of that that's awesome so regardless i think of anyone's opinions on this remake my horror life and genre has been but made better for it. So now no, that yeah. is your official answer for when anybody asks the question, does this movie need to be remade? The answer is yes, because prime example, it will lead you to the original. So in many ways now, and hopefully, and I, the counter argument to that sadly is something like Halloween, because I have seen a lot of people that try to go from Rob Zombies to John Carpenter's, which, again, are two totally different. Mm-hmm. Very much like the same exercise, I think, with what we're looking at here as well. Yeah. But two different audiences. I was not the audience they were going for. No. Happenstance. Was I. Happenstance. I just happened to enjoy it at the mm-hmm. time. But uh, do you remember your first time viewing? I do. I remember it was at the movie theater. And I think it was during like a Saturday afternoon because I was like, I'm going to go see fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Because that's what you do. And so... I remember really enjoying it. I remember like, ooh, that movie was scary. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. It didn't make that much of an impression on me. I remember them thinking they did a good job. And I remember like, okay, they made a good scary movie. I yeah. will. That is a good one. So, but it's not one like, ooh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and I can't even say, I mean, like, I'll even say, ooh, the Friday the 13th remake. So it's not even like a bias against remakes. Sure, sure. But it's like, it one that didn't, stick that much with me i remember really enjoying it back in the day Mm -hmm. so when we watched this i was like i'm ready to give this one another shot because since then there's been the beginning and then 3d2 we'll get to the franchise that this remake spawned which again shows the power of this entire the power of this little film from 1974 so how long do you think it's been since you've watched this remake Probably about five years since it left the theater. Okay, good. So it's been a while. Then. Yeah. Because the same thing with me. I, I, it's been a while, and revisiting it actually, and I, 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 we give like a lot of love to the original because within the last two or three years, I even think between hosting and just drive-ins and what have you. Oh yeah, I've seen the original way more times than all of the re- remakes and sequels oh, combined. Absolutely. Except two. I think two is probably then right up there. there 
We've seen a lot of twos. We've seen the transformative power. We've seen a lot power. of twos. But yeah, no, we've hosted multiple commentaries. We sat on multiple, like even in Hol- like every October they play it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's great because we'll see it every fucking time. We, yes. I've seen people freak out at it like to this day. People our age who's never seen it, they freak oh. out. Um, great, great story actually. Not a great story, but I mean, prime example, oh. I should say. Um, we're hosting it. And Jill Six is right in front of me, and she's with um, Alicia Solo, um, the the singer. Mm-hmm. And she never seen it. Alicia never seen it. And there was a part in it. I think it was at the dinner scene, and something bang happened. She screamed. She goes, "Wow!" like that. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Because it her scream, it was a beautiful scream because she's got a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. And so it just like ah, it just like resonated like ah. And it, I mean, she wasn't singing good, but I was just like, "Whoa!" Because I like screams, sure. you know. Well, of course, so we're it's reaction. We're horror fans, and so it was just kind of like because it filled the theater, and it was glorious. So the Texas, the original, it, still, still hits, old. still hits. There's a, there's a reason that people will still go out and see it, and it's perfect peripheral viewing material. Uh, a lot of great stuff to do it, and I say that because I carry a lot of baggage with it. Then ultimately, mm-hmm. a lot of love for it. I really, really was surprised at how much I enjoyed my remake viewing this time. I was too. I really enjoyed it. But just now thinking about this, as I was as I was talking, you know, I think what made for me and maybe Alicia uh, with movie hit is what what I felt was kind of missing in the um, the remake. The remake. And that's just the madness of it. Yeah. Oh, the mad, the, the sheer, the weird camera angles, the weird, um, the close-ups, the just the weirdness of it. I never, for once, with the remake, thought I was watching a snuff film. Right. With the original, there are times. There are times when where I'm like, this is. I shouldn't be watching this. It's almost found footagey mm-hmm. because it's such guerrilla filmmaking, and he has such an interesting style of the way he wanted to shoot this gritty, gritty thing. That when you put a slick sheen on it, I think it loses some. It's like it's like when you when you have like um, prime example, Sleepaway Camp. Okay, when they came out with the uh, 4K rusted edition and all, they oh, cleaned yeah. it up a little oh, bit. Yeah. It took a little bit that some of that sheen took some of the things some off. of that grain. Right. Well, you talk about who shot it, and this is what I think is the craziest and most interesting piece of connective tissue between the original and this remake is Daniel Pearl, who did shoot the original, shot the remake. See, that's so weird to me. And and so that's what I wanted to wait for that, because I think I mentioned that you're like, what? And I was like, stop right there. See, that's so fucking weird, because this movie's just... It's so... It's so... Okay, so... okay, And that blows you away. Good, that is good. So why is that so shocking to you? Because... What, What... why? I, what baggage did? You- okay, because here, here's here's one of my. I'm, I'm coming into the. I know I got to say this. I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this movie. But before I got to give it praise, I got to get some of my beefs out of the way. This movie to me was almost. It literally was night and day to the original and the remake. For example, the original it's shot a lot of the key main scenes and the, some of the horror is in broad daylight. It is dry, it is gritty, it is it's it's scary because it's the madness that it brings. It's the the psychological fear of it. And it's so hot and uncomfortable. Yeah. In this one, everything is in the dark. Everything is wet. Everything is drippy. In the basement, it's, oh, it's dark. It's cold. It's wet. In the slaughterhouse, it's dark. It's cold. It's wet. At the gas station, it's dark. It's cold. It's wet. And so those two tones, you know, I think... Do you think that owes more to the directors than the, the, the director of photography? I think so. Okay. Because the director of photography, I mean, they have a lot of input too, but the director goes, shoot it from mm-hmm. here, you know, or like, this is what I want to see. Well, let's look then into the background then of our director, Marcus Nispel. He's insane. He's, but here's the thing I like Marcus Nispel. I think I like what he did with this movie. I like his overall aesthetics because I like his remake of Friday the 13th. I mean, that's one of my favorite remakes. I thoroughly enjoy that remake. But I think he was more for Jason. This is a good proving ground for him. But I think when you think of Texas, 
you don't think of East cold, German dark, dude. <laughs> you don't think of cold, dark, and wet. You think of hot and gritty and grainy. And I think that's another thing. I think Tobey Hooper is a Texas boy. Oh, he's yeah, he's a Southern boy. And see, so I think that that actually plays a lot into it because the you're coming from you're coming from that perspective. You're coming from that because he probably has met people like the Sawyers. Yeah, you know, in real life, like you know, it was almost like. Because this this movie wasn't another thing about this. It was almost exploitation. I mean, not to the point where like the Texas, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is exploitation, but that's more of a kooky one and done family. Sure, this is a whole fucking town. These are these are these are vengeance hillbillies. Do you think then? Had they approached it differently and give it a different little title and a spin, it could have been something completely different. I think it would have been great as like it's a great re- it was a great remake to part three. So what genius McGee, what what are what were what were you wanting back in two thousand and three with a Texas Chainsaw remake Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake? And what do you now in two thousand and twenty, what are you looking for in the Because re- I'm curious, what what baggage do you bring because again this is sacred ground See, you know like what would have been what makes a successful remake for you i think this is a successful remake. okay i okay. think this is because i because it is so I different am, i think so it is so different but because i enjoyed it i was at build a separated i looked at it almost as like a continuation of the story as opposed to like a straight up one and done remake sure because i don't know if it's i don't know if it's one because when i was 20 then that's all I wanted was Guts and Gore and Jessica Biel, you know? Hopefully they'll recreate that ass shot, you know? So, like, because <laughs> I'm 20. You're 20, okay? of course. Of but course. Now, now that I've grown to appreciate the original way more than when I was 20 years old, I liked it yeah. when I was 20, but now I fucking love that movie, right? Yeah. And I think my what I would like is different now mm-hmm. and so that's a hard question to no, answer that's, no that's good but but i i still enjoy this remake i just think if they would have said texas chainsaw massacre 2020 or like or 2008 or a whatever continuation, fuck, a continuation as opposed to uh, the new beginning because another thing i didn't like about i liked about this i no i didn't like about this movie was it felt too exploitative you both wanted to shower after both movies but it was for two different reasons in the original you want to take a shower because you're hot and you're dirty and you just had the psychological torture right in the other one you're wet you're slimy and you're skeezed out yeah and so that's a different type of fear. There's a different kind of gaze going on in this film. It's an uh, ugly gaze. Ways. It's a different ugly gaze because one, I didn't appreciate. I gotta say, I didn't appreciate the exploitative nature of the um, suicide versus the hitchhiker. That one really got me. I was like, that seems too let's, much. Let's talk about that. Opener. That seems too much. You, okay, I, I don't know if I agree too much. I think in terms of a technical. Uh, it's a wonderful shot. Uh, it was that, a good shot. It affected. But... It affected because I was like, oh, but but it, but it felt. Do you think then they? Do you think they were trying to go very dark so differently? Yes, they needed to do something. They wanted to separate themselves, and that's why I think like they went so different. They wanted to separate themselves. It was just I like, think ah. they limited themselves by trying to go away as far away. If they said, let's embrace and let's make not so much a remake, but like a retelling or a continuation that, well you get into shaky grounds between the reimagining right and but it's just for me that didn't work because but, and the sheriff didn't work it, he worked for a villain but some of the shit he did i was just like he's he is a different type of villain than papa sawyer yeah oh yeah, the family itself is, is a totally different animal and i think i wanted more i think from this from yeah. this rewatch of the remake, yeah, yeah. I wanted more Sawyer family and not so much Hewitt family. It's kind of like the Myers thing. I don't need to see a lot of Myers, Michael Myers background, that he was a troubled kid and he yeah. came from a bad home and all that shit. I just want to know he's fucked up and crazy. You know what I'm saying? That's I didn't need that. and Because the sheriff was fucking great and he was fucking awful at the same time. 
I remember being so just skis, yes. skis. Yes. But and when you saw Arlie Ermy, you're excited. I was still excited, like Arlie Ermy is Gunnery Sergeant, right? He's gonna drop him, give me twenty maggot, you know. And I was waiting for it. God damn it, Leatherface! Did they shove some five hundred pounds of chewing bum in a ten pound bat? You know, I was waiting for that. But what I got was something totally terribly different. Oh, totally terribly different. The dark side of Kubrick's like outtakes mm-hmm. on some of that stuff. The saran wrap thing, all of that was just gruesome, and it unsettled me then. Sometimes I cop a feel. I'm like, oh, no. And it unsettled me now. It's a different type of skis. It's a different type of, Well, because I think it's a power dynamic thing as well, especially when you realize that once they roll into that town, like you said, they're gone. They're gone. And that town is so far off the map as it is. This was almost 2,000 maniacs as opposed to Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, I guess we can uh, go ahead and address the uh, the Leatherface in the room. Uh, I like this Leatherface, though. He's another completely different take on the original Leatherface because as we even commented in the our commentary, the original Leatherface... He's complicated. He's a very there's, complicated there's villain. A lot of, he is not this big, bulking, bruising Mm-mm. hulk of a dude. Because he's he did what he's supposed to because it was home invaders, yes, right? And so, and then when he realized, he goes, "Oh, I've done bad." Then he like self tortures himself, like hitting himself. He's very complicated. But this guy, this Leatherface, he's just a big, burly brawler, and he is mean. I mean. He's a good portrayal of Leatherface, but again, he's Leatherface Hewitt. Yeah, I was looking com- more for Leatherface Sawyer. So, the character himself, the actor himself, and this is something again, we're again a podcast of positivity here. He's not. Ugh. He's uh, Andrew Birninski. Apparently, when Gunnar Hansen passed, there's apparently had some beef between the two. And he tweeted out some just just unpleasant stuff, and it's just yeah, you know, just be a better person. Yeah. you know, it's very easy to swallow your pride and just say, "Hey, man, rest in peace." Yeah. you know, instead saying "boohoo," it's like, "Come on, be better." D- don't be, be an better. asshole, dude. Don't be. Don't. And I agree. I agree. I remember when I originally saw this in 2003. This Leatherface scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. He was, but I was not familiar. I couldn't tell you the true Leatherface. I would have given you a bullshit answer in 2003 on how Leatherface was portrayed in the original. Uh-huh. So I didn't. I just assumed this was a leather face, and again, it scared the shit out of me. I remember seeing it the second time in the theater, and I remember being a little less terrified because people around me it was a little bit more crowded, and there were some hardcore horror hounds in there. So when Leatherface came out, they're like, "Yeah, Leatherface!" <laughs> and I remember it cut my tension. I'm like, "Wait, you're not terrified? You're ru- oh yeah, horror fans, okay." Leatherface. Let's talk about two quick beasts with Leatherface. All right. Dude. One. Um, the first off, <laughs> first off, uh, this one was a great big hulking figure and it was good for this style. I don't think transpose the two Leatherfaces, neither of them would work. But my one, <laughs> my two things, with the, it's the way he looked. First of all, I didn't need the Leatherface reveal. The origin. I, the origin. Because he looked like, he looked like the judge from Nothing But Trouble with the no nose. He looked like Leatherface. He looked like, instead of a Hewitt, he was a Valkenheimer, right? <laughs> How about a nice piece of rib, you know? just He was into um, into Bratwurst, so maybe he was into meat law, potentially. There we, there we go. Maritime, Maritime law, law. meat law. Me- <laughs> So he looked like fucking the yeah. judge with the no nose. And I was like, I didn't need that. And then when he put on the boyfriend's face, he looked like Joe Spinell. He looked like Maniac. Did you notice that? Not just till now. That's yeah, because he had the wide eye and he had the face and it was like silt and it was way big over his face. He looked like he looked like fucking Joe Spinell. He looked like Maniac doing Maniac shit. And it took me out of the movie for about a good five minutes because I'm cracking up. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't rewatch this with me because it was still terrifying with me because all I could see is that guy from Six Feet Under, right? Not Joe Spinell, which I now forever will and will just be forever tainted with that. Oh, my God. He looked like Joe Spinell when he did it, dude. It was great. Well, you know, it's appropriate enough we're talking about maniacs. Maniacs, so right? We'll, eventually, we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> um, no, you know, there were there were a number of... Those are my, those are my main beefs of the movie. It was gratuitous. It, was, it, 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 felt, it felt exploitive. With the sheriff and the suicide. And I understand they're trying to go for a way darker tone because it's in the 80s and it's dark, gritty reboot time, right? But 
I don't know. <sighs> well, and for me, the rough part is the the actual reveal, the way that the actual camera goes through the the bullet hole. It's a technical achievement. It's a marvel. It is it's a real practical. No, it is it really is, good, and I think that's one of the reasons why I was like, that felt too real. You know what I'm saying? That that hurt. You know, because it's like, why why did I have to go through that to get to this? Yeah, because. Cause she's she pulls it out of her vagina. And I think maybe there were some panties involved, some underwear. I don't know, man. Cause there was a lot of blood, and so, and so like, and then she just pop, and then I so I just it made me feel sad. Well, and, and like, it's also the way it's shot. I mean, it's a visceral. They did they they did like three practical passes i think to combine everything so there's not a lot of camera trickery but it's even it's even more of a shockeroo because i think for horror fans and people who have grown up with the texas chainsaw massacre they're thinking okay they're gonna pick up the, the hitchhiker. hitchhiker you know and they pick up a hitchhiker but not the one that they wanted and so when they're still like this isn't how it's supposed to be and then bang and then you're like oh well, I think from the get-go, you realize things are going to be different because everyone, and I mean everyone in the cast, is super attractive. Yeah, that's another thing. I was almost kind of begging for Franklin because, like... What? Wait, 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 what? You heard me. You heard me. I was waiting for... Come on, Franklin! <laughs> I was waiting for you know that. What? There were no raspberries in this film. I was disappointed. I but, was actually okay. You know what? In our day and age now, when we're supposed to be a little bit more, you know, conscious of it, that's the baggage I bring. So this time, this viewing, I was like, "Good for you, Marcus Nispel, yeah, and all those guys." He's in a Leatherface mask now. Like, <laughs> come to Texas, Franklin. Get COVID, Franklin. <laughs> so no, um, but <laughs> no, it's weird when you are when you're dirty when I'm for begging Franklin. for Frank because here's the thing. They were all attractive, and they were all kind of terrible because, except for Jessica Biel, she, she her she did have a kind of the she was she was the she was the Marilyn Burns, and she's yeah. the one you wanted to yeah. feel for. But like in the original, they were just kids on their minding their own business. Here they're smuggling dope, right? They're smuggling dope, and then finally. I wrote a joke down, oh, and no. then he throws the pot in the papinata in the fields with the cows, and I'm like, "Well, now the stakes never been higher." And so, like, <laughs> <it's> so... <laughs> I do appreciate hominid humor, my friend. I'll let that one go. But, but it was just like, it's. It, I didn't. I, I I felt for Jessica Biel, but I didn't feel for the other pick hitchhiker that they just picked up and is making out with the other person. I didn't feel for the uh, guy, and I thought he was in a wheelchair at first because when he was sitting in the thing, it looked like a he was deceptive. And then when he gets out and starts walking around, I'm like, phony, phony, faker, right? I was pissed for a second, but then he started being an asshole, and I kind of wanted them all to die. And that's the thing I think that does change the course of this film that you do want the people to get it. Um, not saying that you ultimately don't with the original, but like you said, the original they did feel like just they're real people. people. They're like, we're just gonna go to our parents house or grandparents house yeah. and so it's and i'm not saying that anyone that is traveling across you know you know what leonard skinner and everything uh you know but still don't pick up hitchhikers that's what you don't do rule number one there that's what you don't do hobos hippies and hitchhikers well, it's good to know that if we were ever to travel some band across the, the the nation we wouldn't be doing that we would not be in that we would not go to the uh the the murder houses the no. murder barns no or anywhere that sells homemade we, we jerky would travel the straightened path my yeah, friend exactly highways only well there are a number of set pieces in this film there's a lot of really good ones i've been i've been really shitting on this but let me like i said i like this it, movie a lot but i've have i i don't love this movie the baggage we bring with it it's totally good but there are some really good set pieces there was one that freaked me the fuck out go for it the fucking one where um there she's hiding in the house and and she has she hides um, the one that I want to die in the closet. Oh, the Morgan. Mm-hmm. And then she hides in the little crawl space, and it's really quiet. And then the rats start crawling on her, and I'm like already tensed up, and I could just see one leg, not two legs, but I saw one leg kind of like come up a little bit, and I'm like, Ugh! and then it's super quiet, and then rah, there's Leatherface after a little cat and mouse thing. It was good. It I, was a good scene. I had a Ginny flashback from Friday the 13th Part 2 on that one. Just with the little, I was like, oh, no one pee. No one pee. Please don't pee. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, that one uh, That one was totally effective. The actual scene when Morgan gets his, when you get the chainsaw up. Yes. Because another huge 
huge difference is the gore and violence. Lots of blood. Lots and lots of blood and on-screen violence. Brutal. Yes. Is the way I would describe this. And that scene, it reminded me, sadly, of uh, The Running Man with Chainsaw. <laughs> you don't get that in this now movie. Now you're just zero. You're cheering for that in The Running Man when mm-hmm. Arnold does that to, to the buzzsaw. Here, you're like, oh, oh, now you might be rooting for Morgan to die, but it is. it looks like such a horrible gnarly way to go oh yeah when people think of the original that they've never seen the original this is what they're, they, this yeah. is what they're thinking of yeah, so this true. is what they're thinking of and so like i don't know if that's a good well, thing or a bad thing for the movie well it's a perfect perfect example is look at how the hook scene is shot yes multiple hook scenes on this one yes Multiple hook scenes. <laughs> this ain't your granddaddy. Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Not at all. And because granddad's not in it. No, Go didn't. get granddad. That's that's another thing. I wanted the Sawyers. I've seen movies with the Hewitts. You know what I'm saying? Are you are you canceling the Hewitts at this point? You will not be following their shenanigans? No, I don't want them. I want to follow the Sawyers. Yeah. They're a fun group of like their dysfunction speaks to me. Right. They're that's another thing that I think was missing in this movie was just the madness. I mean the madness. Not as much sugar glass needed no, in this film. No, a lot of sugar glass was needed for that last one. Well that's but the no no the the the, mad, the madness of it. Because yeah. this was these were just evil people. They weren't they were crazy, but they weren't psycho crazy yeah they were manufactured crazy for the most and part. it was the whole town because it had the there was a wife there was oh, they were scattered throughout throughout and then random kid like roach's kid mm-hmm. out of nowhere roach's, yeah roach yeah. jr it, it's i appreciate them they do they went differently they did Again, they for did some people, very very different for some people i guarantee it's gonna work obviously for genius it's like eh, it's not what i was looking for but it's better than a carbon copy yeah. of what we were given for, you know, originally. It's better than Gus Van Sant's shot for shot remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Of the, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, no. Because we've already got one. We had at least three, you know, sequels to the original. So yeah. they had to honor the original, make it different. I think they did a good job at that. I, I think, think they, they did they did a really good job at that, especially when it opens up what happened on the phone the third Chinese, when John Larroquette comes he opens on the, it up, yep. <laughs> You know, I like that, and I like the fact that instead of like the weird photos that we got at the ending of uh, the beginning, it's it's the the found footage. I thought that got a good new spin to it, which gave us a nice little intro and outro as well, just in terms of what happened and how you could maybe get a continuation Mm -hmm. or this or that. Uh, He's real. He's (laughs) Lore of the Chainsaw. some of the uh, van siege scenes were really effective. Yeah, I, I will say that. I think ultimately a lot of it is the darkness that in contrast with all just the uh, the sparks that are generated, mm-hmm. uh, the use of the chainsaw, I think, is a little bit more prevalent in this one because I think they were looking to, like you said, just yeah. up it, make it a little bit more of an 11. Like I said, I still was, I felt the genuine dread with this, especially the way the chase scenes were shot. Um, it is a bit more glossy. Like you said, the sheen from the water, too much water at the end there. Like it was just like a. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like when. Yeah, listen, I know, I know. It's no, I like in the when it's dark and wet and like there's monsters and yeah. shit and it's all that good stuff. And Jessica Biel like looks great and wet, but there it comes to a point like how much more wetter can she get? Because she's already dr- doused in blood. Can you imagine having to shoot that? I mean, that's just nightmarish. And you know what? The plumbing aspect in the Hewitt home must oh, be fucking horrible, atrocious horrible. because there's no water anywhere. No. Um, no. It's just, I don't know. Okay, let me talk about the end for a second. Okay. I liked it, but I I liked the ending. I liked the fact that she got her vengeance on Arlie Ermey, and I thought it was several times. Yeah, I thought it was great, but then it just kind of like ended, mm-hmm. and then the other one ended too. But I kind of like, I liked the fact that Marilyn Burns, her ending, the iconic of it, is just because she, you can tell. She is scarred for oh, life. Oh, her life is, is so horrible. Yeah, and, oh, oh. and that's what makes the ending more scary. Yeah. And so I think, like, while this was a good, like, it, yeah, go get them and get your vengeance, at the same time, it wasn't that much of a good punch as the original had because that that madness in her eyes, I don't know, it's the, my madness theme. I guess, yeah. I guess it was missing that spark of madness. 
That's well. That's what separates that particular film from all the other horror films in the seventies, eighties, nineties. Why we're still, why still people still talk about it because yeah. other films don't have that madness. They don't. It doesn't. Those other films don't have what that little independent film from nineteen seventy four did, still does, and influences to this day. What the Texas Madman can accomplish. It's kind of crazy. It is ridiculously crazy. I don't know. I. I know I, I liked it. I feel I feel like bad because I feel like I've been shitting on it. No, you, but, you've been constructive of it is the thing. And it's also because this is it's a remake of a beloved classic that it's it's you're tough. And it's also, like I said, all the baggage going in before it was remade. So here we are a few years later. And like I said, I think it does hold up. But this remake also inspired a franchise. Technically, yeah. I have not seen the prequel to this is that the one with alexandra no 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 that's no that's a, that's technically the no, sequel the prequel, to the original the, pre, the prequel to this one leatherface is fine he's just crazy he's it's, a it's, huge is it called like the beginning or something yeah like the that? beginning and it's set in the 50s it's set in the 50s i think I, oh that's the one that just came out recently mm, yes i, I think believe. okay that's what there there's a lot of convolution to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, there mm-hmm. are multiple timelines, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It it's is, very weird. Well, but people still go back to this well because it's a well that just produces a lot of good stuff, mm-hmm. ultimately. So final thoughts uh, as we kind of transition out here. I thought it was fun. Yeah. If, if, if called any other name, I think we would be singing a lot of its praises more so. But like the fact that it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake... That's pretty big shoes to yeah. fill. It's it, they filled them. They're not walking 100 percent correctly. <laughs> They're a couple sizes too small. They, they salted the wound. It's fine. But they oh, yes, that was a good scene. That scene was fucked up. That was a mean leather face because he just threw salt and didn't care. And then his sewing prowess. I liked it. I liked what this movie tried to do. Not yeah. all of it worked for me. It's fair. But it's totally fair. I will, I'll watch it again, but I will watch the original more. That's just it. I, if you're going to ask me which of the two am I going to go to, I'm, I'm always going to go to the original. Yeah, absolutely. But this remake, I think it serves its purpose. It does enough different that it separates itself from the original, mm-hmm. but you can still tell technically it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Absolutely. And for me, the importance of is it did finally bring me to the original. Yeah. And I don't know if it does that for anyone else. It's okay. This can if this is your favorite Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, you are 100% correct. That is correct. Mm-hmm. It, but and but give remakes a chance. And yeah. anything else in the Platinum Dunes line, give it a chance, man, cuz like I know you you I are Friday movie. Fucking you love are, Friday the 13th remake. I think it's great. I mean like I you write hard for Marcus Nespel. I do. I do. So no, I, think, I I I I haven't seen. I've never seen the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Ah, I've never seen the Fog remake. Ugh, I mean, uh, I've I never shouldn't seen, say ugh. I've never seen the Last House on the Left remake. Although I've heard that's pretty decent. I've heard seen different that things one. On that, I haven't but, seen that one. And again, I'm not saying I won't because then that would be very hypocritical of correct, me. Correct, correct. But, but I'll give it a chance. I, I, eventually, I'll make my way to it. Is what I'm saying. I will never just outright say I'm never going to watch it. Right. That's and quite that's honestly, limiting. since I'm doing the I've seen that challenge, I might have to throw in a special uh, interrupt June exploitation moment. Watch a film for the first time and react to it. Oh, nice. Yeah, you know, you get a little more bang for the buck. Yeah, there you go. So thank you again for uh, enjoying this on this uh, little road trip, as it turns out, for uh-huh. the second time. For the best barbecue in Texas. As it, as it turns out. Uh, we've got a few more remakes coming up, uh, one with some special guests ultimately, so keep tuned for that. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Genius.